Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to his friend Philemon. As uh, Jessica told the children, let's hear what God's word has to say to the church today. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, Appia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confidence of, confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do what, what do even more than I say. This is the word of the Lord. Please, please pray with me. God of truth and wisdom, send us your Holy Spirit as we listen to your word. Refresh our understanding and equip us to respond to you in love for the sake of Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, so today I'm starting off on a little uh, biblical adventure and taking you along with me. Uh, I'm going to do a four-part sermon series called uh, Reboot. And we know what that reboot means. We've all had to reboot our computers or our cell phones or something. When they're, when they're getting a little glitchy and not working correctly, we turn them off and turn them back on again to kind of clear all that stuff so that it reboots up and it works more efficiently. And that's what I'm hoping that we'll be able to do uh, in this series. So today we're going to talk about reconciling relationships. Uh, at the end of the month on September 25th, reimagining regret. Uh, then on October 9th, reframing prayer. 
And finally, on October 30th, Rethink Happiness. So that's in the back of the bulletin too, in the announcements, you can see where that series is. Now this kind of started percolating in my heart and my mind um, when I read an article by a Methodist minister, uh, which made Tony very happy, um, a Methodist minister named Brian Erickson uh, about renewal and about restarting, especially restarting in this time of year, um, you know, as we do say goodbye to those kind of lazy days of summer and approach a kind of more structured fall. I don't know. I, tell you, I had the dog out for a walk early this morning. There was a, just a hint of a, maybe a cooler, cooler temp- temperature. And I know you folks with uh, young children or, or grandchildren, um, you know, you're seeing the schedule, your schedules uh, for fall start to gear up. And, and I even got an email this week from a church member asking about something that was going to happen in Advent. Uh, I almost passed out. Uh, <coughs> thinking about Advent. I haven't even wrapped my mind around fall planning, and here we're talking about Advent, but, but here it is, and it'll be here before we know it. Um, so I do think this is an excellent, excellent opportunity for us to reboot uh, using Paul's letter uh, to, some, to his friends. Uh, in his letter, uh, Paul outlines for us some of the most practical uh, transformations that occur in life of a disciple. Uh, ranging from the reconciliation of broken relationships to finding peace in a troubled world. Now, I am uh, practical to a fault, and I think that's why I like Paul a lot, because Paul is very practical in his theology. Uh, he, he's a little crazy about some other stuff, but so am I, so we, we blend very, very well together. But we get one thing right. Christ makes all things new. Christ makes all things new. Each and every day, you and I are being made new. Our church is being made new. This neighborhood's being made new. The world is being made new. In Christ, everything is being made new. So today's topic is reconciling relationships. And we will use um, this often passed over letter, I would say, from Paul to his good friend Philemon as our guide. So personal letters, um, maybe we don't get them as often as we used to. Um, Maybe some of you remember uh, back in the day getting a letter from a distant family member, and the letter was held with such high regard that it was read to the whole family, maybe out loud as everyone was gathered together. Um, So, you know, that's part of who we are and part of uh, who we've been sharing that kind of uh, familial and family information with one another. So the first thing I want us to understand is that's what we've heard this morning, Um, a letter, a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to his good friend Philemon. It's an actual personal letter between two very good friends. Now, it was meant to be shared, obviously, with the other people there, because he he names off some other people, but it is a letter. And that's one of the things I wanted to remember is that is in this series is that Philemon and First and Second Timothy, which I'll talk about later uh, in the other series, those are letters written that are written to a person from a person to a person, written in love, written uh, with instruction, uh, but also meant to be shared with others. And I think sometimes we, because those letters are tucked in the Bible, and really, to me, everything in the Bible, we, we tend to get very scientific about that. We tend to pull out our Bible and look at it like a textbook. Um, it's not really a textbook that needs to be dissected and studied. It's, a, it's the living Word of God that needs to be breathed and brought in to all of us. And this is a great place to start that. Um, 
with, with these personal letters. So I hope you hear the kind of personal, familiar tone among friends, a beloved teacher and a student. Um, and I think these letters will, um, you know, if you'll think about maybe discovering a letter from your grandmother or your grandfather or a long lost relative and reading through those, if you ever had the opportunity to read through those and just, you know, remember a time that, that went by, a, a time of maybe more innocence, but also there's great wisdom in there to cherish. So let's look at this uh, letter between two friends. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who was uh, prior to writing this letter, had visited Asia Minor and been to the city of Colossia, and he helped form a house church. Uh, that house belonged uh, to his friend and brother in Christ, Philemon. Um, we can deduct that Philemon was a man of means. And, and I want to also say, you know, when I say a house, um, the, the house was big enough to greet people in, but probably not like a palatial estate. I mean, I'm talking about like a mansion, uh, but it was probably a, a, a big enough house that a small group of people could meet and worship together. Now, Paul finds himself under arrest and detained, possibly even in Rome, and a young man named, named Onesimus has run away from Colossia and has somehow found Paul in prison and become very useful to Paul. Uh, the name Onesimus actually means useful or beneficial. So Paul has helped Onesimus strengthen his faith and build up his faith in God, and the two of them have formed a close bond. Uh, Paul says they are like father and son. So Paul recognizes that Onesimus is still some way indebted to Philemon, and they are estranged from one another. So Paul is stirred by the Holy Spirit to intervene into this broken relationship. Uh, Paul gives thanks to Philemon's Christian love and faith, and he appeals to him to take action in this relationship, not out of duty, but out of love, to reconcile with Onesimus. Paul asks Philemon to do this, not only without punishment to Onesimus, but as a beloved brother in the Lord, as the faithful beloved brother who is one of you. This letter from Paul, I think, illustrates and gives us practical advice on how we can reconcile our own broken relationships. One writer said this of, of, of Paul's letter, Paul actually lives and practices a very deep ethical practice that he shares with Jesus, the principle of non-dominance, the principle of non-dominance. Culturally and, litur and, and linguistically, Jesus and Paul are very different, yet each teaches and embodies a refusal to dominate other people, even when they can easily do so. And they, casually and, they, and they both casually disregard for others who attempt to dominate them. You see, we don't always equate our relationships, and especially our broken relationships, with the influence of power. And that happens in our families, and it can happen in the church as well. Because as David Lamont reminded us, you know, the church is really just one big family. Yet the church and any church really is fraught with the conflict over power. Who is really in charge? Who's dominant and who is not? Now, one of my favorite quotes about this idea of power comes from that great theologian, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Jimi said, only when the power of love overcomes the love of power 
will there be true peace. Only when the power of love overcomes the love of power will there be true peace. Paul makes it clear in this letter that he has options. He has options to mediate this fractured relationship with Philemon and Onesimus. Now, of course, the easy way out is just to leave things as they are, ignoring the elephant in the room and just letting Onesimus stay there in Rome with Paul. Paul states he's been helpful to him, and keeping him in Rome would avoid any conflict and maintain a false peace. I'll be honest with you and say I'm pretty guilty of this myself, this avoidance mentality. And maybe if you think about it a bit, avoidance and maintaining a false peace are mightily at work in our lives and maybe even at work in the church. Remember, this letter is about church business. But transformation requires truth-telling, even when confronting one another is uncomfortable and difficult. Paul could have simply used his already, sub, his already subtle power as a church leader to command reconciliation, mediating between the two parties almost like a municipal judge. He even states that he could do this, and he has no doubt in his mind that the two parties would comply with his edict. But the right action carried out due to fear or pressure cannot transform what is broken in a relationship. Paul wants Philemon, he wants Philemon's kindness to be voluntary and not something that he has forced. Real reconciliation cannot be accomplished by rule following alone, nor can it be commanded. It must involve a choice of the heart, the overpowering love for the other the same overpowering love that Christ has for us. So Paul makes the most of a difficult choice, the one that requires the most of everyone involved, appealing through love. It calls each person listening to this letter to put away their love of power and instead use the power of love. This is why reconciliation is so much more difficult than forgiveness because it demands that both parties to see the humanity and the love of Christ in each other, to strip away the trappings of an earthly fictitious power for the power of the one who created out of nothing. God did more than empty a tomb on Easter Sunday. He set free a spirit that brings life out of death, even in the painful, ordinary interactions of his followers. Paul is calling on Philemon and all of us to let God's unconditional love reboot our relationships, to let the power of God's love so fill us that the hard and difficult work of rebuilding lost and broken relationships becomes for us a part of who we are as Christ followers and is the church that Christ has called us to be. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.